After three weeks on the road, the New England Revolution returned to Gillette Stadium. And let's face it, summer nights are better with the Revs. The Revs on the board, right at the jump. Bring the fight. Oh, and what a shot. The Revs have roared back. And bring the noise Saturday night when they host Toronto FC. That gives the Revs home crowd something to cheer about. Kickoff is set for 8 p.m. Grab your tickets today at revolutionsoccer.net slash tickets. Welcome to New England Soccer Journal's The Goal Podcast, the podcast for serious soccer players and their supporters to help further their development and navigate their way throughout their soccer careers. And now, here's your host, Matt Langoni. Thanks so much for joining us for another episode of New England Soccer Journal's The Goal Podcast. We've got another great show for you today as I'll be joined via Zoom by the New England Club Soccer League founder and director, Sean Carey. The NECSL features close to 2,000 teams registered from over 60 clubs across New England. It provides programming for ages U8 through U23 and is the largest club soccer league in New England. Sean, welcome to the podcast. Matt, thank you for having having me. Really looking forward to talking to you about the New England Club Soccer League. Awesome. Let's launch there and just um, you know talk about the NECSL from, from your perspective and what kind of the main objectives are for the for the league? Well, we're relatively new, new programming, a new league. We were only two years old, so this coming fall we'll be kicking off our our third year of existence. And over the course of the previous two years, we've we provided a nice level of programming during some difficult times for families, teams, clubs, and players during COVID. We actually kicked off with. Um, about 225 teams in the fall of our inaugural season. And now this coming fall, we'll have close to 1,300 teams participating with another, and with the older age groups in the spring, we'll have close to 2,000 teams participating. So a lot of growth in a short period of time, and we're excited about the direction that we're going. I understand there's, obviously we talked about it kind of in the intro, that 2,000 teams, close to 2,000 teams next season. Uh, the NECSL is undergoing a major expansion, right? And tell us kind of how that came about and, and why it's expanding. Well, that's a little bit of a, a long, complicated story. In a, in <laughs> Maybe a we can break way. it up into parts here. <laughs> <laughs> um, really, what we've done is try to stay true to what our core beliefs were right from the very beginning when, when I founded the league, you know, pr- prior to founding the New England Club Soccer League, I had helped uh, manage and grow the New England Premiership uh, in a similar fashion. We about ten years ago, I took that on, and there was two hundred teams at the time. And with the New England Club Soccer League, where we are trying to stay focused on having it be as transparent an environment where clubs are taking care of their own business, and leagues are taking care, and the league is taking care of their clubs. I think that's. The reason that you're seeing the expand that we're seeing the expansion that we've seen is that when you do a really good job at what you're good at doing, and your focus is always on not the clubs in your league, but the players and the families that are participating for those with those clubs. You know that's a big experience for them, and you need to make sure that their game day is a great experience for them. And we've proven over the last two years that we're Frankly, we're the best in the business at doing that. 
And, um, and that's led clubs to coming over. We also try to be very affordable, Matt. And that's another thing we, you know, having done this for a while, you want to focus in on, on allowing clubs to put as many of their resources back into their club, um, not into a league budget. So we, we run things pretty lean and mean in terms of a league business, which saves the clubs money that they can then put back into their own programming. And I think that's another key element to what we've done. Yeah, the affordability aspect of club soccer and playing for a, a club league is a, is a monster thing because, you know, that's that's one of the main thing. I think that probably um, might keep families or players away from doing it is, is that affordability issue. Um, so, yeah, how important is that, just that aspect of what you guys are trying to do? Well, for us, it's extremely important. We've, we've reached into some demographics within communities that haven't had access to a club environment over the previous years. And we've gone out of our way to make sure that they can access it through the New England Club Soccer League. We have, you referenced at the beginning, 60 plus clubs. And those clubs range in size, Matt, from a couple of teams to some, some clubs with, you know, 150 plus teams. And when you're doing, you have to focus in on treating every single club the exact same way while also simultaneously realizing sub clubs are in some communities that are going to need your assistance more than, you know, that you can do everything you can to be assisting them. We've done that. And I think our, not only of the range of new England that we're providing programming geographically, but just even the demographics within these, this geography that are accessing club soccer and having experiences that they hadn't had before. We've done a really good job with that, and we will continue to make that a focus of what we do. So prior to founding the New England Club Soccer League, you were, you were at the New England Premiership, as we talked about. Um, I believe you started there in 2011, and you really grew that program as well. I, I think it was from 200 teams to over 1,600 teams while you were there. And then, obviously, you you departed um, the NEP in May of 2020. Just talk about your time at the NEP and how that was able to kind of um, maybe help you learn how to grow these types of programs and, and what you gained from that experience. It was an amazing experience at a variety of levels, um, professionally, personally. It was, um, you know, when when I first came on board, there was not a lot of infrastructure in place. So you know, building out the websites and putting in some procedures and protocols and all of those things. A lot of that, the um, putting some expectations in place, a lot of that, Matt, really connects to what I do in real life, actually, which is I, I teach elementary school during the day. So even while managing the New England Premiership for those years, during the day, I was teaching uh, fourth grade or third grade, depending on the given year. So it was... Um, it was a positive experience at a variety of levels. Worked with some very, very nice people, some incredibly competent people. Had a chance to build nice relationships with the different club directors. It opened some doors outside of New England for me um, in terms of opportunities to work with different clubs and entities in the soccer world. So I'll always be eternally grateful for the opportunity and the experience of working in the New England, with the New England Premiership. How long did you have the idea in your head to to start that you know, the NECSL? I and mean, was that um, did you come to that in 
2020. I mean, how long were you kind of thinking of, of founding something like that? The driver on that, Matt, was for the vast majority of the time that I was working with the NEP, it, it was um, it was really just me managing the league for the clubs. And as I would tell the clubs all the time, there's only one person in this room that wants to see you all be successful. <laughs> you all kind of want to see each other be successful because you need each other. But there's only one person here that wants to see you all be successful. And it really wasn't a political animal at all. You, you do your best to make things as clear and objective and transparent as possible. And then there was a, um, a change within the board of directors of the New England Premiership that kind of started to drive the league in a direction that was not um, was not in align with with how I prefer to interact with people. So at that point, you you make some life decisions in terms of what you believe in, and the real reality is at the end of it, I I didn't believe in the NEP anymore, and I believed in that there was another way of doing things better, and that would be better for everyone. To I thought it would be better for everyone long term. I didn't think that it would happen as fast as it did. Um, but that's why we started. That's why I started the New England Club Soccer League. It was a leap of faith, Matt, to be honest, because, you know, it's it was a big entity, the NEP at the time. But I'm, I'm happy to see for everyone that it's worked out well. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, to have that belief is one thing and think you can make something out of that belief. But it had to have been kind of a daunting thing to try to execute the plan that was in your head. yes Matt it was it was daunting and there was some you know you stare into the abyss and wonder if you've made good decisions but in the end when you um you know you you look at what your intentions are and when generally what I've found over the years in working with a lot of different people is that when you have good intentions generally not always of course then things work out and they don't always work out on the timeline that you want or expect. Um, But it was, it was a leap of faith and you do have to believe kind of in what your mission is and and how you want to go about doing it. So, but there was, there was some, um, there was certainly some second guessing or kind of staring into the abyss a little bit along the way, but you have to keep a, a strong front and, and, and present as if you are confident, no matter even those days when you're not feeling confident. You know, there's the national leagues like Girls Academy and ECNL and, and MLS Next and um, high-profile national leagues. What's the competition like within within your league here? What's what what types of players are competing? What's um, what's kind of the the way you market uh, the league to, to clubs? Excellent, excellent question. Matt, and thanks for asking that. Those are all the, the leagues that you referenced, uh, all really successful leagues, strong leagues, managed and operated by good operators. Um, and what you find is that it's really important to know what it is that you're trying to be. So we've not tried to be anything. We've not tried to be one of those leagues. The New England Club Soccer League, is really when you look at the clubs that we have participating, which is frankly all of the, you know, the the marquee clubs in all of New England and frankly the Northeast, and some of their top teams participate in those leagues that you've referenced. The New England Club Soccer League is a league where we want every player 
um, within these clubs to have a first team experience. We offer things that maybe they hadn't had in the past. We have an end of season championship weekend where regardless of the level of play that your child is participating in, that they have something to look forward to at the end of the spring season that they've worked towards that they can qualify for. And we treat every level of player within a club's infrastructure the same as their as a first team player, a first team experience for all of your teams. And by focusing in on what we are and not what we aren't, we've been able to, you know, really provide and create a good and strong environment for clubs without trying to feel any type of jealousy or like we're competing with some of those other leagues. How competitive has the industry got as a whole, just club soccer and just being able to carve out a niche for what you want to do and what you want to be? Because, you know, I know it's, it's really evolved in the past couple decades. Uh, and there are a lot of options right now for players who are serious players and want to play at that, at that club level. How do you kind of carve out your niche? It, well, it depends on the age group that you're looking at, right? So mm-hmm. within New England and the vast majority of the country, Matt, these clubs that have access to other platforms, their teams up to under 11 or under 12 all really need to and should be playing locally. So up into 11 and under tw- up to 11 and 12s with even within the New England Club Soccer League we have some of the creme de la creme. I mean our under 11 girls top division for this coming fall season there's not an under 11 girls division in the country as strong as as the one in the New England Club Soccer League for I mean there's some probably as strong maybe none stronger. Um once you get to 12 and 13, some of those players start to work their way into other ecosystems within the club. But for us, it's trying to provide the infrastructure for players that aspire to play at that next level for them to, to be competing in a training and playing environment within their club to reach that next level that they want to reach. And that's by competing each, you know, each weekend in a good game against another strong club at a nice facility um, and and let them continue to let the players drive that dream that they have and let that be settled on the field for them. And that's what we try to do. New England's soccer journals, the goal will return after this. Hey, here's a great new idea in fundraising soccer heads, new England comedy fundraisers. This is better than a stand-up show. It's an event that your community will never forget. You'll get soccer themed comedy with Paul Nardizzi, who has been on Conan O'Brien and Nesson Comedy All-Stars, along with Dave Radigan from Sirius Radio Comedy and Jim Ruberti. There will also be giveaways and all sorts of extras. Want to make money for your soccer club and have fun while doing it? Email the guys at SoccerHeadsNewEngland at gmail.com. That's SoccerHeadsNewEngland at gmail.com. Are you serious about playing your sport in college? Do you need a flexible education that allows you to maintain your practice and competition schedules while also preparing you to succeed at the next level? You should check out the University of Nebraska High School. UNHS is accredited and offers more than 100 online courses, including NCAA-approved courses to protect your academic eligibility. Students could earn a UNHS diploma or take a single course for transfer credit. Courses are college prep, self-paced, and available 24-7, 365. Enroll anytime and take up to a year to complete a course. Visit highschool.nebraska.edu today. 
Looking to keep up with all the latest news and information on New England soccer? New England Soccer Journal and NySoccerJournal.com are the premier resources for information and inspiration on the New England soccer scene. Have every issue of New England Soccer Journal, the magazine, delivered to your home or office. And don't forget to stay in the game every day with a digital subscription to NySoccerJournal.com to receive soccer coverage on clubs, college commits, prep and high school, division one, two, and three colleges, showcases, rankings, and so much more. Get in the game and behind the scenes now by going to NySoccerJournal.com. Just click on the subscribe button and start the subscription that is right for you today. New England Soccer Journal is a Siemens Media publication. Siemens Media. Inspiring. Informative. Insightful. Now, did you grow up in New England? I was born in New England, but we moved to Lexington, Kentucky when I was two and then moved back up here just a couple weeks before my freshman year in high school. Um, you know, it's a very, it, it's a plentiful soccer area, New England, obviously. I mean, you can, you look at the, the college level soccer we have here, you know, division one, division two and division three. So I would think the region kind of lends itself to a, to a wide range of, of club soccer possibilities. Would you agree with that? Yes, I would agree with that. And even within, with, when you look at, even within the clubs themselves, some of the coaches that they have, they're within these different programs. We have a robustness and a density of a soccer community in New England that does lend itself to um, some very competitive environments and and a lot of a lot of really good soccer for people and um, yeah totally agree. Let's talk about your your personal soccer journey here. You you mentioned um, you moved to Lexington, Kentucky, then came back here, uh, played at uh, Transylvania University. When did you fall in love with the sport, so to speak? And, uh, you know, when, what was kind of your, your early youthful playing days? It was from a very young age, Matt, probably five or six, I think maybe six or seven, six or seven, maybe when my, when my dad made me go out to try out for a team <laughs> and, in, in Lexington. And at that time, obviously, like at the rest of the country, there wasn't as, as formalized of a, a club component. It wasn't, it wasn't even until maybe I was 13 or 14 that you started to see some semblances of, of club soccer. And frankly, when we moved up here, I went to Concord Carlisle High School. There was, you know, really not much of club soccer. That was mid-80s. And for players, once you got into the high school ages, you you competed in men's leagues. You know, if you really wanted to do that, that was that was your aspiration and your opportunity to, to kind of sharpen your your knife when you were on it to get better against bigger, stronger, and better. So the, uh, the evolution of the club game and where people have and the opportunities it provides, it's been interesting to watch, but it was, it makes you, it makes you very cognizant that there's many, many ways to get to where you want to go to. Being a, an elementary school teacher, you're around um, young kids, teaching them, at, you know, at, at this, in the soccer realm, you're, you're a, a coach and a teacher. Is this something you always saw yourself doing, uh, you know, being a coach and, and teaching the game to younger kids? You know, the coaching component of it along the way, I did do some coaching in the club world, teaching elementary school, just, you know, finished up my 29th year of teaching 
fourth grade, that's an, an amazing way of spending the day. It's very similar to what you do when you're coaching. Frankly, even when you're working with the clubs now in the role that I'm working with them now is having expectations for them, clearly communicating expectations for them, helping them when they need help, helping them work through some things when they need, you know, when you know that they can work through them or need to work through them. So being able to live in both worlds has been has been really enjoyable. And there's a lot of skills that are transferable from both. And um, I don't really do much coaching anymore, though I you know, had done that back in the past. Sure. But it was a, a, a great experience along the way. You must have been a pre- pretty busy guy in the spring, though. I mean, once the once the season cranks up and you're teaching and you're you're a new a new season is, is underway. What's that? What's that like for your work schedule? The timing of some of the scheduling, the the components involved with league preparation and um, execution are they do lend themselves to the school schedule. For example, right now, which is when seasons are transferring. You know, the the spring season ended. There's a short window of time. The fall season will kick off September 10th and 11th, really right when school is kicking off. So really all of your logistics and preparation are done in the summertime. And so that lends itself to the school schedule to be able to have the time to attend to those type of building blocks for the upcoming year. And then when the spring season, excuse me, the fall season ends, end of you know mid-November, you do have a little bit of a window of time between, you know, with our, with our geography and weather, um, you have December and January and February to, to do some more nuts and bolts work for the upcoming spring season. There certainly are a few, there is a perfect storm between the two worlds in June when school is ending and soccer is ending. It can be a little um, hectic, but it's about time management and, um, clearly communicating timelines and expectations to the group and having people be on board with what they need to do to make sure we all can be successful. Let's talk about the, the, the future here, the upcoming, you know, 2022, 23 campaign here and, and going forward, how much, what do you expect from this, this upcoming season for, for the NECSL? I mean, with, with the expansion and the addition of, of, clubs and how many play this is what like 50,000 players I think you mentioned that you guys are now have affiliated with the with the league well within the league we're probably 25 to 30,000 with other leagues that we manage because we do you know I do manage some leagues outside of New England as well outside of the New England club soccer league but within New England you know 2,000 plus teams scheduled for the you know, for the springtime, about 1,300. We just are going through the team placements right now. We pretty much have our brackets almost confirmed for the upcoming season. Honestly, Matt, the thing I'm most excited about for the upcoming season is not the New England Club Soccer League. I'm really excited for the families of New England. I think it's going to be a lot less complicated for people. There's really only one league now. The way things get framed, it's everyone's living in one ecosystem. That's exciting at some levels, um, but more exciting is that regardless of the level of play, people are going to be playing against a more diverse schedule of teams. They're going to be playing against teams that they hadn't played against for a couple of seasons. And their travel, the travel required to have a really successful season will be very limited just because of the the sheer number of teams and the geography that we cover. So as I mentioned at the beginning, the focus of everything always is 
the players and the families. And that comes from being an elementary school teacher. I'm around families all the time. I realize how much people are working very hard to make all these things work for their family and anything we can do to help make their weekend less hectic and more enjoyable, which would mean less travel and a good game. Um, I'm really excited for the families of New England for that. Yeah, the one e- the the aspect of it being one ecosystem, I think, is great because you're right. Everybody kind of knows what to expect. It's the same for everyone. But with the ever changing landscape of of club soccer, do you like? Can you safely predict that it'll stay this way for for three years, five years, ten years? I mean, things just seem to change <laughs> so so frequently in in club soccer. I mean, how how content with you be, can you be with how things are right now? Well, I think. You, you, um, the word content is a word. I don't, I, I'm trying to think of the last <laughs> time I may have used that word in a thought or in a sentence. Yeah. One of the founding I- items was every day is a tryout. And that I think is something that everyone needs myself keeps to, you know, takes to heart. So I totally agree. It is a very fickle environment and we do have everyone together under one umbrella right now. Is it going to be for two years, for three years? My, my sentiment on this, Matt, always has been that that responsibility now lies with us in the New England Club Soccer League to provide a league and an environment and a level of expertise and experience that people don't want to leave. And it's so I'm hopeful that and I'm confident that we will be able to provide that. And I think a lot of it is is being um, proactive as opposed to reactive as the things that are happening around you, um, being a good communicator, and, and really understanding that the most important folks involved here are players and families, and that you need to listen to your clubs. You have to do what's in the best interest of, of everyone. And I'm, I'm, I'm confident that we will be able to do that, but I would never say content or feeling like we've won because I think that that's you always have to be vigilant and you always have to be wanting to be better and that's something that we'll continue to do right and obviously you're is this coming up on year 30 for you teaching how many years will this be coming up in the fall you know Matt it would be my 30th class but for this coming for this coming school year I've actually taken a leave of absence for school so I'm going to take um, my, the superintendent and the principal at my building have been wonderful in supporting uh, that decision. I did remote teaching for a year and then switch grades, and there's a lot of moving parts. So I, I'm in a position to be able to take one year off and focus in on some of the soccer aspects. So I'm going to enjoy having only one ball in the air instead of two <laughs> for the upcoming uh for the upcoming fall. Well, that is, that answers my next question. I was going to ask you with with all of the all, everything you're juggling if you if you get burnt out at all. I mean, it's just a lot. It's a lot on your plate. The burnout part? No, you know what? I think you outside of doing these things, I tried I managed quite a few groups. We play quite as much as possible still, so I'm trying to keep the dream alive from a playing perspective, and frankly, that's one of the reasons I've been able to maintain some of the good relationships with the clubs. As I'm playing with some of their staffs and some pickup games that we organize and try to make time to still exercise and em- embrace some of the time outside of this, um, and 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 understanding the importance of of not getting burned out. And I think when you enjoy what you're doing, it becomes more you know you're less likely to burn out. I really enjoy teaching. 
there is a lot of stress involved with the soccer component of this of this these type of leagues but i enjoy the um the problem solving and the competitiveness of of wanting to make sure we're doing that we're the best well it shows through that you enjoy what you're doing obviously and i appreciate you coming on the show today sean and i'm sure we'll be talking uh in the future with with um how things are going with the necsl but i really appreciate the time today no i, I really appreciate it as well and thank you so much absolutely Thanks again to Sean Carey for joining the podcast and engaging in a great conversation. I'm Matt Langoni. Thanks for listening. New England Soccer Journal's The Goal Podcast is produced by Steve Safran and is a Siemens Media production. You've been listening to New England Soccer Journal's The Goal Podcast. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to our podcast. Or visit anysoccerjournal.com forward slash podcast. Siemens Media. Inspiring. Informative. Insightful.